Oh. Well, that's a shame. Like, what was so great about their grilled cheese? Well, so first of all, they moved to, um, they moved to having. Initially, it's just it was perfect, right? Mm-hmm. So it was it was like buttery, crusty cheese on the outside of the bread too, and then you just had good cheese on the inside. It was a good it was a good bread, um, and then they changed it. There was no then like crusting on the outside and it was a pepper jack kind of thing and i was like oh why the fuck did you guys change my grilled cheese do you not uh did you just like what was the cheese they used before out there i don't remember so you just don't like flavor i like flavor it was like a sharp cheddar kind of thing maybe i don't know i'm probably speaking out of school on that i don't remember what the kind of cheese was i think there was more than one cheese in there well let me tell you something about their french toast it had nice maple glaze (laughs) like that was just fantastic like it's like i know it was just exquisite man there's no other way to put it it was well but it's no more that's right third space r.i.p okay yeah i know that's it's a shame but i know i think grand i think grand is gonna be it's gonna be the thing now i mean that's i think my mic's acting weird i can't hear well, so you mean your headphones are acting? Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> How you doing now? I'm I'm good. Okay, all right. So this is what the fork. I'm Jason. I'm Jared. Um, you can find Jared's work at LTD Engagement or what? Okay, so should you have the second one? Um, LTD underscore engagement on Twitter and LTD engagement on instagram yeah. and i'm very rarely on facebook anymore that's right uh and then you can find jason's work at jason e kyle on everything because he does consistent branding that's right or at phoenixnewtimes.com because right. as, you may have heard, editor. as you may have as you may have heard i'm the culture editor now yes yeah three um, weeks in now and uh and at what the fork is it at what the fork pod yes it is okay on twitter and instagram uh yeah. So, hey Jared, who's this gentleman to my left? Somebody I was going to announce after <laughs> I made a different announcement. Um, but since you jumped the gun on it, let's say oh. we've got Chris Ayers. Woohoo! Mister Mister Phoenix Film Collective. What would you like to plug, sir? Oh, Phoenix Film Collective is good. Yeah. Yeah. VHXFilmCollective.com. That is only going to apply to people in Phoenix, mm-hmm. probably. But uh, also ChrisAyersCreative.com, my design website. I'm mm-hmm. a freelancer, so please hire me. Please, please. <laughs> well, and if you want some examples, you can see the posters on the Phoenix Film Collective site. Um, and, and as we were talking off mic, um, one of his posters hangs in the wall of my office. And um, That's because in, if, if people aren't aware, we actually do talk off mic sometimes. Yeah. And um, and several people have commented on its, um, oh, its wonderful design. Which yeah. one do you have? I have a couple of them. I still need to get framed. I have the, the Rushmore ones hanging in my office. I have the Being John Malkovich one, and I have the uh, What They Do in the Shadows one. Yeah. He's getting really wet right now. We're talking. <laughs> As actually, though he weren't in the room. I want to get something off mic. my chest here. Sure. Actually, my lap. Oh. I, br- I brought uh, mochi. Oh damn! So everybody who likes mochi can can have mochi. Oh, awesome. so you do have fun with that? <laughs> <laughs> you don't like mochi? Okay, so first of all, wow, you brought back that, that whole trope. <laughs> it's, 
Yeah. <laughs> my favorite my favorite aspect of the podcast is hashtag mochi. <laughs> hashtag mochi, yes. Yeah. Man, we already moved on to Summer of Jared and like Oh, Summer of Jared is over, man. Jared Jared's over. I don't so, have any material on like Springsteen or Cheers or Fraser, but I do like mochi. So mochi that's, is that's great. Okay, so that is that is my yogurt topping of choice is the is the mochi and and mochi itself, the uh, the the uh, like rice flour pastry filled with the ice cream or the yeah it's it's fantastic stuff you might want to put that in the freezer or eat it now <laughs> i i would sure. i'm actually gonna since if people aren't aware if you can imagine the layout of this tiny tiny apartment that we're recording in yeah i'm gonna um, um yeah which means i have to take off these uh these cans here and the, I'll, well i'll put them what? in your freezer thank you thank you sir <laughs> yeah um i'll be off mic for a second guys he will we'll miss you the, the apartment <laughs> as 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 jason is walking to my my fridge making the big trek over there the uh the place is so small you might have actually been able to keep the cans on and walk all the way over there <laughs> not gonna risk it it's valuable equipment <laughs> i realize this is all chris's play to take over my guest spot <laughs> <laughs> exactly chris likes mochi eh okay so. i'm on to you sir yeah i mean your, your, your schedule has gotten a little dicey since you took over the culture editor job oh uh, well you know <laughs> <laughs> And a man's got to record when a man's got to record. I got a schedule to keep, sir. No, well, I mean, that's a shame, man. But I'll remember us. I'll remember. No, 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 no. Fork buddies, fork buddies, roll deep. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have plans for the next Phoenix Film Collective showing yet? No, no. It's tentative. It's tentative. Okay. I don't like when it's tentative because I like to plan three months in advance. Well, I mean, apparently, if you're going to have any kind of attendance at anything, you, you have to, right? I yeah. mean, because people need to know about it, and it's yeah. ridiculous. We're, we're a little behind right now. Gotcha. Some things fell through. Some one really big thing fell through. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't tell anybody. I think you guys know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. That was a real bummer. Yeah. Uh, maybe next year. So Next year. When it's, when it's 21. <laughs> When it's Let's, old enough to drink. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's the only hint. There's a movie turning 21 next year. There you go. Which means it'll turn 20 probably. this year. Mm-hmm. 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 Which only happened to a few things. Yeah. This was, a, this was a big year for film. We could be talking about anything. This was a big year 20 years ago. It was a big year 30 years ago. Well, there, um, was it... So... 40 years ago, there was some, eh. There's a book. 50 years ago. So there's a book out about how 1999 changed movies, which mm-hmm. is, um, which I really want to read because it's been my, I actually used to blog about that. It's the one year that you could party because it was 1999, right. not like it was. But um, like I distinctly remember back when Entertainment Weekly was a fine magazine that wasn't monthly anymore. Mm. Um, and like published articles of substance that mentioned that 1999 gave us Magnolia, mm-hmm. Run, Will Run, The Matrix, Fight Club, like all these movies that changed cinema as we know it. And, it was start- and I remember like when I had Jason, I bought my domain and mm-hmm. started jasonkyle.com. I was writing about these movies like, because it was a good year for movies. And it was a very good year. Yeah. And, like, nothing's happened. <laughs> like, Come on. All, all of my Jew friends out there that are listening got, <laughs> got that um, Fiddler mm-hmm. on the Roof reference. Yeah. Oh, I got it, too. <laughs> okay. And so... Because um, I, I did not. 
Have you never seen Fiddler? I have not seen the movie or the play. No kidding. Yeah, it's a shame. It's one of the few musicals that I've seen. It's okay. like required viewing for for young Jewish people. Like they, you don't get bar mitzvah if you don't see Fiddler, right? Sometimes you don't get bar mitzvah anyway. Oh. Usually, if you don't believe in God. Um, <laughs> no. But okay, so let's talk. One of the other announcement I was going to make is that our next episode is going to be back into the show because it was finally announced the uh, the drop date for season three of The Good Place on Netflix is August twenty seventh. Woohoo! So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, I think, fitting for for our friend Chris here to be our last guest of the summer. Hiatus season, which I do air quotes on a podcast. Yeah. Does that mean I'm like the ultimate guest? Yes. There you go. It's all been leading up to this, man. Yeah. 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 It's a lot of pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Amy's listening. Like, what am I? Chopped liver? (laughs) Or Carly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Amy's been on twice, at least. So she's. Oh, Amy's been on What the Fork once. Yeah. Oh, wait. Wait, wait. She's sure? been on limited yes, engagement. She's been on twice. limited engagement. Okay. Well, yeah, once with Ashley and then once by herself. Mm-hmm. And then I just like talking to Amy. Is there Amy's a, great. Is there a punch card in each one of your podcasts? Like I've been on. If you've been <laughs> now. Yeah, that's right. That's you've almost hit the you know, basically you missed the one. Like if you told a story for, for Chatterbox, you could have been on that one. Um, but that's over now. Uh, you've been on Album Infinitum. You've been on this this one now, and uh, and limited engagement. So I think that actually, so once you like, once you collect six, do you like get like a free ad or something, or how does that work? Um, I don't know. I, I it's it's. You get the Darcy Carden <laughs> trophy, maybe. You guys already mailed that. Talk to Carly. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I spend so many hours of my life on mic now. It's ridiculous. Mm. So especially as somebody who never thought that that was going to be anything that they did. I I, I agree. I, I think well, and, not and, you, and but people, me. I'm talking people, about me. <laughs> yeah, people know way more about me than was ever intended to happen. Mm-hmm. I visited when uh, we went out to San Diego a few weeks ago. Saw my uncle. And um, did people stop you on the street? Like I know those dulcet tones. No. Were you at SeaWorld and did Sean Moon? They looked you at were? me. They looked. <laughs> they looked at me and said, "I recognize that voice." Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. The, it's the, the podcaster from it's, Phoenix. It's, it's actually apparently where my family gets all the information about what's going on in my life now. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's on. <laughs> On one of my podcasts. Oh God, you had a lot to talk about, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> so now, basically, if you know, there, there's about three family members I keep in touch with, and now when I see them, I just have to apologize first thing. <laughs> like I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure my dad feels the same way because I know he listens. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, you know, that's 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 the. Um, we, and we still haven't discussed the fact that he's a contributor to. <laughs> oh, we've we've discussed it. Well, I haven't discussed it with him. Oh, you two haven't discussed no, it. No, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't called him out for well, it. Well, it's not like he can get a subscription to the New Times. Uh, so, <laughs> though he did ask. Oh. <laughs> See, because he's a good dad. He's a supportive father. Mm-hmm. And George, I don't. It's free online. You just have to <laughs> click past the sex shop ads, and it's going to be. <laughs> it's 
just a rag for a sex shop and uh it's and, a rag and, and, it's pot according and weed. To, yeah, weed. According to a certain news anchor, we're just a rag for a weed, and I'm a twenty year old dope. Yeah, who, who apparently was, she's not gonna be on a hiatus episode. No, she's not. I'm surprised I haven't been blocked by her yet. Oh yeah? Yeah, because I did write um a fun article. Well that's about when her. you know you've made it. Well, yeah, I, I, I haven't people made start it yet. blocking you. Well, I haven't made it yet because she hasn't blocked me. And I wrote a very fun article about her, um, which um, I'm the, sure I'm the sure thing about, about you. yeah her her all her the music she likes was yeah. written by Potheads. Yeah. Well, I mean like Potheads, I think it's it's pronounced. Well, unless it's like <laughs> Michael W. Smith or some other wacky Christian singer, like who isn't like I guarantee you, fucking Amy Grant's gotten high as shit. Oh yeah, her and Ben Skill. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the Eagles. There's no way that she's not just getting at least a contact high. Oh yeah, Skill is in the Eagles now. He's, yeah, yeah, he's a part of the touring band. They they uh, they replaced uh, what they lost uh, Felder and Fry died so yeah. so they've got Vince Gill and then Glenn Fry's son yeah okay I really don't want to talk about the Eagles I was just surprised <laughs> no no but I, I have more Eagles knowledge <laughs> than you guys could ever imagine it's a shame that I know so much about the Eagles and it's a band that I really just don't. I mean, I like him okay. Okay, I, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, in the style of the dude, but expressing the uh, the opposite sentiment. I like the fucking Eagles. It's there's there's, if you listen to to Hotel California, you can't deny that those are great songs. No, see, the problem with Hotel California is that it you can the, check out any time you like, but you can never leave. Well, no, it, well, it's the message. <laughs> the message is is that the hippies fucking lost. I've never looked at it that way. Yeah, I've always looked at it as the hippies fucking lost. Like, and that's pretty much what Henley's solo career has been. He's been singing about how the hippies lost. But but he supports the Walden Woods. Well, I mean, he's just like, <laughs> like, you start, but that's the thing. He's still, like, he still, like, wants it to work, but he's like, everyone gave up, but... His, his whole take is, everyone gave up but me. <laughs> yeah, so that's true. Everybody else sold out except yeah. me who has like, millions I'm the one who didn't dollars. sell out. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, because... Um, yeah, it does get, it does get tiring. You, you, the more, the, if, if you follow, uh, which is, I don't know. Okay, so apparently I'm going to talk about the Eagles for a second, but only... <laughs> Do I get a veto? I know I'm only a guest. I don't have any power. No. Do I get a veto? Your veto is recognized, but it's getting thumbed down. <laughs> It's a two-thirds majority. <laughs> okay, so you have you have the Eagles, right? They all wrote about the excess and and how while participating in it, they wrote about the downfall of of the excess and and were anti. Uh, you know, they they were writing all about the yuppies and how how you know they were headed for for disaster and all that kind of thing. Whatever, life in the fast lane, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, the, then they part ways, and you get Glenn Fry, who pretty much is just fully embraces the fact that he is, you know, uh, one of the the pop elite at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And you get your that's where you get his direction, and you get your like sexy girl, and you belong to the city, and 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 oh, uh, yeah. and, and, your and the contribu- heat is on the contributions to the Jerry Bruckheimer Don Simpson series of A's films. <laughs> Him and uh, him and Kenny Loggins, man. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, yep. And then you have Henley's split, which clearly somebody who is conflicted about his own success and the the trappings of money, but he's richer than God, and you know decides to you know I don't know 
uh, screw Stevie Nicks and put as much cocaine up his nose as he can and, and uh, you know, try to save the Walden Woods. Yep. Um, but after a while, so, so you know, Fry becomes a little more tolerable. Henley becomes insufferable because he's raging against a machine that he's a cog in. Yep. And that's my piece on the Eagles. Well, I'm, uh, um, I hate to, I enjoyed your TED Talk, but... Um, <laughs> I'm gonna just go out and say um, the boys of summer still fucking slaps. It is, oh, and that's what I'm saying. So the thing is, <laughs> the thing is that Henley's the better songwriter. If you follow the two of them, Henley, those, Henley's the better songwriter. Those since though, I'm, you know. Well, okay, so <laughs> boys of summer, boys of summer so is fantastic. Boys of summer is fantastic, I, largely because you've got Mike fucking Campbell on guitar. Yeah, you know. So heartbreaker, Mike Campbell. Mm-hmm. And then you've got even like later singles. Basically, everything that stays in the '80s is pretty good. Once you get mm-hmm. past that, you can stop listening to them. Yeah, but uh, pretty you much know, your End New of York the Innocence. Minutes. Yeah, New York Minute, End of the Innocence, um, <laughs> and 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 with every every song that that uh, that that uh, Jason is is talking about, he's punctuating with airbase. <laughs> I just wanted to comment on that. He's 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 like freaking Kevin Eubanks over here. Oh, I'm like um, I'm like Paul Rudd in um, is it uh, I love you, man? Or in oh yeah, slapping the bass. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, welcome to. <laughs> oh, I, I knew exactly what I was you listen to the show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is a typical what the fork. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm current. I've caught up at every episode. <laughs> I know all the potential tangents, and I'm sorry for the Eagles. But tangent. you've only seen one live episode. This is your second episode that you've seen. That live. you're actually yeah, participating. That you're in. Yeah. So, um, and uh, anyway, so yeah, but End of the Innocence, uh, New York Minute, all that stuff. You know, all uh, Heart of the Matter, great songs. Mm-hmm. So uh, now I'm done. Now, okay. now I'm good. I'm good now. Joe so, Walsh, though, you man, just Joe Walsh. It's just. Well, uh, Joe yeah. Walsh is is a great, great. We can't not guitarist. talk about Joe. Yeah, so. yeah. I'm I'm watching it live. How the tangents just form. The, yeah, <laughs> it's I amazing. Feel, I feel isn't powerless. It? It's, it's like it's a, a cumulus cloud. Come it's come like, in any time. Stop us. Stop. Save us from I tried, ourselves. I tried at the beginning. Of it. <laughs> you did. You tried to veto credit. it and and uh, and and failed. Um, Save us from ourselves. Um, speaking of, because as soon as you mentioned Joe Walsh, it made me think of the of the of the other WTF, the the Marin interview with Joe Walsh, which yeah. is pretty good. I actually listened to that recently. It was really good. Um, he but, didn't sound very good. He he didn't sound very. He didn't sound well. I no well, dude. With as many drugs as he's put in his system, he's lucky to be alive. Yeah, um, he hasn't sounded good for like thirty years, though. I, th- I think it's he's he's been basically the Ozzy Osbourne of of his type of rock and roll. <laughs> the, the Ozzy Osbourne of America. So as soon as he starts to sing, you know, as soon as he would start to sing Rocky Mountain High or something like that, then his voice will come through and you can hear him crisp. But if he's just in conversation, it's all slurring. Yeah. Um. So we have a guest. We do, but I want to bring this up uh, real quick because see this other to, tangent. Did you see what I tried to do there? I, 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 I saw <laughs> what you tried to do, but this Valiant is effort. this is relevant to to all mutual interests at this point. I saw that uh, that the Peter Fonda interview for WTF got reposted. So does oh, that good. mean Peter Fonda died? Yes, he died yes, yesterday. He oh shit! Lung failure. Yeah. Damn. So 
R.I.P. Peter Fonda. I'm gonna watch The Limey again probably in about a day or so, just because he's. That's so- the one you go to instead of uh, instead of. Easy I like Rider? Easy Rider just fine, but I like it's. I've seen Easy Rider easily within the last ten years. Mm. Um, I haven't watched The Limey, and I own it probably in about fifteen years. And I mean, Terrence Stamp is so fucking good in that movie. Terrence Stamp is amazing anyway. Yeah, I mean, but he's like. Tell him I'm fucking coming for him. <laughs> my, my favorite thing that Peter Fonda ever produced was actually Bridget Fonda. Oh, who, oh, I, I yeah, had a yeah. oh, yeah, huge crush on like my number one uh, teenage crush. Oh, so it's curious. Well, so, <laughs> oh, she, I told her that. <laughs> okay, it's fine. I, I I would agree with you there, but I would put her and Jennifer Jason Lee in the same in the same uh, you know crush level. So when they did single white female, okay. that was That's very yeah. confusing. I, I well in the best way. <laughs> Ignore all of the creepy stuff and just it got very en- weird. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> it just got just got really weird. Eh, it can get weirder. Um, <laughs> but you know that's it's 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 calling back to our discussion of the Hudsucker proxy. And, which which I see. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Jack, yeah. good old. <laughs> um, me. Yeah, I went. Your, oh, um, that, that movie came up in my consciousness again. Uh, Hot for, Yeah, but I'll tell you off mic. It's not something. Like, it's a work thing. Okay. Yeah. It's, all right. it's a now point. you've gotten all mysterious because you have to watch what you say because you work for. Because I work for a big media conglomerate. Yeah. Yeah. You used to be cool, man. <laughs> yeah, and then I. You got a job working for the man. <laughs> the man who sells pot and sex. <laughs> So none of your people can listen to this episode. <laughs> I'm sure they don't anyway. <laughs> oh, well. Um, anyway, so the reason Chris is here <laughs> is that Chris is our res- resident uh, expert on Infinite Jess and David Foster Wallace. He is. Jason over here tried unsuccessfully. Yes. Through some fault of his own to get... <laughs> No, no, it wasn't all faults of my own. No, I, I said some, some no. fault of your own. I would say ninety-five percent the fault was five percent of the fault was mine. We, we call it Jason's folly. Really. Well, okay, so there there was supposed to be an Infinite Jest reading group. I have in the bathroom there a copy of Infinite Jest that I started reading um, while in the bathroom. Not, uh, you know, well, well, okay. First of all, those are some big shits, man. <sighs> But then again, you are kind of a big deal. <laughs> I just, uh, there's, I'm not getting into this. This is a tangent we're just not going to go down. It's the first episode you actually edit. <laughs> nope. Oh, God, that'll be the day. <laughs> yeah, good fucking luck with that. You got 10 minutes on the Eagles. Gone. Scatological humor. Gone. <laughs> This episode will be five minutes long. It'll be the shortest what the fork ever. Do you guys normally drink alcohol when you record this? No. Yes. Okay. We've, this is. I think that this this is the, like third the third time. alcohol episode. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But they're usually pretty good. Yeah. They're honestly when I track the the listens, it's they're the most listened to. <laughs> Go figure. We should do this Science. more often. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if our livers can take it. We're not like going. We're not going to like knock it out. In this we're just having like two. 
Okay. Infinite chest. Infinite yes. chest. Right. right. Okay. Oh, because see, I, look, he, he, he learned how to do the good transition. May I? May I put some? Did you see what he did there? I saw what he did there. Yes. Okay. Let's. <laughs> but I want to talk for a sec about the book group, um, because I bought. <laughs> do we have to. <laughs> we do just for just for a sec. We don't have to talk about it for very long. Existent book group. Um, I was fully on board. I was willing to commit. I just. Um, I, I started reading it and it just, it just wasn't doing it for me. I, I have put off reading this book for, for, you know, at this point decades, because it's been something out there that's been like, okay, this is what, it's one of those like intellectuals should read this book kind of thing. Right. And, and it's you're just, an intellectual. I, I would argue that every human who can read should read this book. Okay. Not just intellectuals. All right. But. So then let's get off the book group <laughs> thing. And but we did have a conversation briefly about I, I was trying to read this and I just I, I couldn't I couldn't get into it and you mentioned something about like you need to be in a sort of space where you can commit to it and commit time to it and really yeah. get into it. It's not so much a book as it is like a lifestyle choice. Okay. I mean, even down to carrying <laughs> this thing around. I brought my copy here because it's like it's well loved. It's so it's, worn. I think you could stop a bullet. If yeah. You, if you oh yeah. It. If well, if you were to find a pocket big enough to wear it over your heart, um, just I also. This, I mean, do you carry that around when you were when you're in a rough neighborhood? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that might actually be a reason to get shot. <laughs> you see how worn this this copy of the book is. It's like a, it's like somebody's Bible or something. Yeah. Well, it's very much okay like that. So um, um, I have a question for you because I'm looking at your edition. And it's very similar to mine, except your introduction or foreword is by Mr. Dave Eggers, who I love, but mine is not by Mr. Eggers. Is it? Uh, who is it, the new one? Jared has it right here. I'm going to grab it. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So your while, will definitely while, um, reach that far. Yeah. So while Chris is in um, Jared's Tom bathroom, Bissell. Tom, Tom Bissell. Yes, I have the, the Tom intro. Bissell version. Yeah. Okay. I like the Eggers version better. I have both copies. Well, um, I mean, of course, because yeah. Dave Eggers wrote it, and Dave Eggers really does wrong. Yeah, well, actually, funny, there's unearthed a, an early negative review that he wrote of Infinite Chest, and then years later, he's writing the foreword to hmm. it. Like he came really? Yeah, there's a negative review of it? Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. So people do come around to it at some point. I think so. Like, if you just sort of, like, let it digest or something, or, or, or ingest, or... Well, I mean, I mean, not to, not to belittle Mr. Eggers, but also, like, I'm sure he got paid a... You know, a few Benjis, which I mean, funds McSweeney's for like at least another two weeks. Uh, you know what? I see Eggers, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm not the biggest Eggers fan, but I, I think I see Eggers as somebody who's not going to write the forward for some, for something that he doesn't that he doesn't right. agree with or doesn't like. But or, I would recommend to you just as um, as we approach season three, and I'm not going to spoil anything. But there's um, parts of season three that are definitely influenced by some of Eggers' work. He's he's somebody else I've never read. Yeah. All right, oh. so can I jump in here for some, some much-needed context, I think? Yes, the please. Reason, the reason please, I'm here, please. before I speak any more words that were formulated in my own brain, I'm going to read... Uh, uh, this is an interview with David Schur, producer of and creator of The Good Place, mm-hmm. and Parks and Rec, mm-hmm. and partly on The Office. And partly on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. All right, so this is an it's interview a from, from uh, Believer Mag. Uh, and the question is, I know you're a David Foster Wallace fan, and to me, the idea of battling alienation by being kind to other people is at the core of Infinite Jest. Do you think Infinite Jest has influenced your writing? And Michael Schur's answer, it's not a stretch to say that it's influenced everything I've ever written. I didn't so much as read it as I almost ate it. It kind of re-scrambled my brain. Not just that book. I read more of him and actually met and corresponded with him for a while. One of his deeply held convictions was that sincerity, sincerity should triumph over irony. 
He loved the gamesmanship and wordplay of the postmodern kind of irony, but his point was that ultimately, sincerity should win the day, and the problem is that sincerity, especially for young people, is the opposite of cool. There's nothing less cool to a 25-year-old fiction writer on Brooklyn than to simply and straightforwardly talk about your feelings. Hmm. The scariest possible thing you can engage in in this very basic human connection where you say, I feel this way or I am scared. And his worldview, that's what has to win. That's how people should write and that's how people should connect with each other. The first time I read those words from him and he said them a lot more eloquently than I just did, it was like someone had punched me in the face. I instantly realized so much of what was wrong with me as a writer was I was trying to be cool and impress people and not seem like I cared about anything. It's very hard to wear your heart on your sleeve as a writer because we live in a world where your work is being instantly analyzed and picked apart by a lot of people. And a lot of those people are very cool and they have a cool guy agenda and it's a real fight to do it and not worry about what people are going to think of you. Um, there's a lot more to that, but that's basically the fact that, wow. that, that I think Doc, David Foster Wallace and especially Infinite Jess is like the biggest influence on his writing is kind of what, why I wanted to talk to you guys mm-hmm. about it. Um, there are... I don't know if you remember, there was a character named Dave Wallace on The Office. Yeah. Um, and there's also an... F- First time memory who the actor is. Uh, I can't remember. He's like one of the like the regional manager guys. Kind of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. And then there's also uh, an episode of Parks and Rec, which is loaded with Infinite Jest references. Which one? Uh, um, I can't remember this one either. But it's, okay. I had to find the episode number. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so it's kind of a big deal, too. And as I mentioned before, I think on the show, Shore directed the Decemberist up, uh, music video. That is true. Where there is pretty much a whole Infinite Jest yeah. reference. Decemberist is actually how I discovered this in the first place. Okay. Um, how you discovered Infinite Jest? Yeah, it was a review on, I think, Pitchfork. And somebody mentioned Infinite Jest, like a reference to Infinite Jest mm-hmm. um, on uh, in the album, in the Calamity song, the December song from okay. The King is Dead. And it, you know how that, that little thing that happens where you like hear something repeatedly like four or five times in a ma- month span and you're like, I should check this out? Yeah. It just comes to you naturally because mm-hmm. I'm like the kind of person who if someone raves about a book like I'm about to do, uh, I tend to run the other way. I don't want I don't want other people's opinion of infl- influencing mine. I want it to feel like it was my decision. That's to, one of the reasons I it. haven't read that book. Yet. Yeah. So, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I didn't, I wasn't even aware of like this whole cultural cachet that it had. And hmm. this is 2011 when I, I read it for the first time. Um, but it was, I think, because the, the uh, Decemberist, which was one of my favorite bands at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they should still be, right? I, I like the earlier stuff better, but, you know. <laughs> the King is Dead was, I think, their last great album. The, the fact that they've been around long enough that you can say you preferred the earlier yeah. stuff is kind of scary. Yeah. I, I mean, very started. literary, though. There yeah. were a lot of things that, that, because of the Decemberist or Colin Malloy that I checked out, that, you know, that they recommended. Yeah. So, oh, it, for whatever reason, I decided to pick up this thing at probably, like, one of the lower points in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And it's like what is an atheist turn to for like some kind of spiritual guidance mm-hmm. and when you said it was kind of like a bible like yeah. yeah i've had this book on my desk sitting there like daily affirmation like once i finished it you can easily just kind of turn to a, a chapter and read it like it's sort of sort of self-contained huh. um little little things that would just kind of read five or ten pages i have it on my desk at work when i was feeling bad when i was feeling low i would just turn to this book and read a little bit and it doesn't matter if you read it out of order because it's all kind of jumbled up in the first place mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's well, that's one of the things that I noticed. So when I and and I, I think I read the the first forty pages, and and I say that as something that I did not dislike the book. I think that I just was not, and I, I probably continue to not be in a in a good place to read it. Um, it's like you know doing hallucinogenics. You have to be in the right frame of mind to be able to have a sort of good trip. If you're not, then you uh, maybe I'm I'm speaking a little 
uh, giving a little too much away. But um, if if you're not in the right headspace, you can have a, a really bad time. I want I want you to elaborate this on more a little bit more. <laughs> I think this that's is a plenty. tangent I'm agreeing with. <laughs> yeah. to. I'm just saying. Okay, so the no, thing with hallucinogenics. No, you were saying about your bad, bad trip. I, I'm just saying. So the thing with I was always cautioned with hallucinogenics that you have to be in a good frame of mind. Like you have to be in a very accepting place, in a good place in your head, in order to go ahead and and do that sort of thing. Otherwise, you mm-hmm. should not do it because it will lead to sort of like paranoia and 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 some some really bad kind of things going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, to, to speak briefly briefly on uh, my my first experience with with mushrooms. Um, Many, many years ago at this point, <clears throat> probably prior to you reading Infinite Jest, uh, well, oh, most definitely prior to, to that, the early aughts. Um, so I was man, at a, Old Man Duran is speaking. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you about the time that I did the mushrooms. This is, you don't know this, but this is a very appropriate tangent for Infinite Jest. It's a lot about drugs. And I, yeah. Oh, so I discovered in the first four pages. <laughs> right. Of lots of different drugs. Um, but I, I, the, the time, the a point at which I tried mushrooms was uh, at a time when I was estranged from my now long since ex-wife. Um, I was sleeping on a friend's recliner. Uh, I had no place of my own. I was, I was, I was sleeping on my friend's recliner. I had my cat and uh, like a few belongings with me, and I, uh, a, a friend of mine who I had like a big crush on uh suggested the idea of 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 doing mushrooms with her and at first it was great we were like we were you know it was her and me and this this other guy and we were uh we were you know had each you know taken a little bit and uh we're watching finding nemo and and (laughs) that's probably the only time i've seen that film uh, but it looked fucking amazing. I bet. Yeah, it was it was great. And then, but then, sort of like after after a while, then I was like, then I got into a really bad place, and I was I was starting to be like, okay, I got to get out of here. I was it to, the part with I the sharks? Leave. <laughs> no, I did feel very scared for Nemo at one point. I remember that. But um, but no, I tr- I was like trying to leave, and then uh, then yeah, it was it it degenerated from there. Um, okay, but so. <laughs> That's uh, that that when I was reading this book that that felt like that to me like I I was not you know like I had to be in the right sort of accepting frame of mind to to read it and not be not be mm-hmm. having like so much going on or maybe so much like other stuff in my head and 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 uh, I did not dislike it and I fully intend to go back to it. I I think that was the mistake I made when I did the reading group too mm-hmm. because it was starting to feel like homework. Like, yeah, I can see that. That's yeah. my problem with reading groups in general, though, or book groups in general, is that then it's like, okay, I remember any time I had to read something by a certain date, then I was reading everything else except that. Yeah, yeah. But, like, you don't want to be told to do, what to do, right? Yeah. I want to do it when I want to do it. Exactly. But, and I would I would argue that the exception to this rule, and I'm not saying that because, like, we're all friends with her or anything, but um, Barb Vandenberg's reading group is uh, never feels like homework to me. Well, what's interesting is that her because she because she picks really good books. <laughs> she picks good books, but I still can't help but feel that way. It's no. just it's like if I you know, um, 
I'm, I'm gonna have to just go ahead and 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 discover something on my own. It's not gonna be. I, I don't know. And usually it's because I end up. I, I can't. If there's a discussion about a book, I, I just I if if I feel like people have just missed on it or not talking, like I I don't know. I get very. Yeah, I'm I, not a big. I, book I think guy. I have a sense of like your literary taste more than Jason's. Mm. So I think there are a lot of things in this that you that I I know you would like given like if you give it enough time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also in the same way that Michael Short stuff has like this mix of like highbrow humor, lowbrow humor, sadness, and like profundity. Like those are all and like in satire. Mm-hmm. Like those are all things that like David Foster Wallace, especially Infinite Jest is all about it's not that saying it's reading this book is the same as watching the good place mm-hmm. it's not but like he acknowledges it as like his number one influence mm-hmm. so i I'm, I'm curious what do you think my literary tastes are oh i don't know uh, I, I don't think i've heard you talk about oh, uh, oh. what you like to read very much oh. well, well i don't actually, talk much I, about like i was trapped in that in jared's bedroom for like an hour while my wife recorded okay. a podcast here so I yeah the, all the caveat oh. for that let's <laughs> let's just say you mean the the multiple books there on his shelf yeah when I was when when I babysit his, when I babysit his cats, like that's why. First do. of all, cat singular. Susu cat. might be fat, but she's still one cat. Yeah. <laughs> books and cats, books and cats, and books and cats, and books and cats. I don't know what that reference is. <laughs> you know, it's, books and cats. It's YouTube be, video. Well, it's because no. it's because he's white and he doesn't listen to rap music. We're all fucking white, dude. <laughs> it's a, it's a YouTube I think video. I have a better tan than either <laughs> one of you. <laughs> We'll go on YouTube after we're done here. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, I do I do have a lot of books, um, and more be, thanks to the various podcasts, more people have been over and judged my collections of things than uh, than probably either one of you guys. <laughs> I know. Lately, it's and, and to, to answer your question, um, lately, you didn't ask a question. Well, I <laughs> just made not. a statement. Oh, that I don't. That he doesn't know anything about because you know. I mean, what, tell what, tell us what your literary. What taste are your Jason? literary tastes, Jason? Um, I mean, secretly, it's all Michael Crichton, and like, <laughs> <laughs> we've talked about Crichton on yeah, this podcast before. because I was like when I was a teen, like I had nothing but Michael Crichton, Timothy Zahn, Star Wars books. Oh, I'm with those. you so far. And, say, say Stephen King and Stephen King, yeah, of course, okay. and and John Grisham. John Grisham was quite John Grisham, so much John Grisham was like the thing in the My parents like that, so it must not have been cool. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> he he made uh, many, many, many good movies um, from <laughs> his first four books. They made a few good movies and many, many bad movies out of his. <laughs> Name one bad John Grisham movie. One really awful one. You can't. Can you, you put me on the spot? Yeah, you bastard. You, can. you son of a bitch. You can't because you know what? Because it doesn't exist. Uh, uh, so, even like even the Pelican Brief, which is like, which one was the Pelican? Was that the one with Julia Roberts? Yeah, which like is like one. which could never ever ever happen in real life. It's Julia bonk. Roberts and Denzel Washington was not not, like the, not so much that, but it's like the plot could never happen in real life. It's absolutely bonkers. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but it's made believable because of the um, assured direction of Alan J. Pakula and the. It's co-stars, which are, um, are, as you mentioned, Denzel Washington and Julia Roberts. Mm-hmm. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're talking so, about me and my literary so taste. 13-year-old yes, yes. Jason lines up pretty much with, with uh, me. What, what is 40-year-old Jason? 40-year-old Jason. Um, that we should make that movie, the 40-year-old Jason. <laughs> 
That would be <laughs> the most. Four year old Jason would be the most depressing movie you've ever watched. I, well, it has a happy ending and gets a fucking job working for the man. No, that's the sequel. That's the 41 year old Jason. We're talking oh, about Jason. We could last say the 40 something year old Jason. Just encompass both years. Yeah. Um, that'd be like a very sad German film by like Fastbinder. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, I, I, um, and there came like a point where I started getting into like, like in my mid twenties where I started getting into like Eggers, mm-hmm. um, like McSweeney's. So I would, um, I read, I, I heartbreaking work of staggering genius. I think kind of scrambled my brain a little bit, like, and what books could do. Cause there's a lot that that book does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've since then, like it's been, um, so the book that I think influences a lot of season three, which um, is called We Shall Know Our Velocity. Okay. Um, which um, is about two brothers who um, whose parents have just died in here to a small fortune. You know, that's all leave at that because mm. I don't want to ruin it for. Okay. Um, and they bought a zoo? Oh, okay. No. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> You're. You're getting a little closer to home, friend. I knew what I was doing. You knew what you were doing because you know what? Because you're you're starting to touch on that um, that Cameron Crow type uh, business. Well, also Bridget Fonda and singles. I mean, we could have a whole separate podcast about Cameron Crow films. Yeah, in the greatest movie Uh, ever made, Jerry Maguire. (laughs) Okay, as as far as Cameron Crow taste goes, I, I I like the music ones. I like I like say anything i like well, uh singles i like no just stop because you're still talking about me okay oh, we, got, we? We, got, we got day beggars so yeah. okay all so right, we got right. Dave beggars i like franzen a lot like i it's funny because like all these do authors you like franzen i don't i do like i like the well i like the corrections and i really 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 like freedom freedom i think is i think um from what chris has told me in conversations we've had about infinite jest Okay. Freedom most matches the structure. So you've read Freedom as well? I have not. I have like three friends and books on my shelf uh-huh. on the To Be Read stack that I all bought for like two bucks. Uh, because o- because the- Oprah picked his book club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you can flood the market with friends and books. true, yes. And that's, the, that's, um, and that's also like the, like why I'm reluctant to admit, well, there are several reasons why I'm reluctant to admit how much I like friends and one he's, of them being the fact the that one he is Oprah author though who tried to like get her to take it back. Right, right? he didn't want basically. it. Basically, yeah, one success. And then, based on Oprah. and then yeah. when he, she did it again for freedom, mm-hmm. he like, oh shit, I gotta sell books. <laughs> I guess yeah. I'm a millionaire now. Yeah, like whatever. Bought my last mm-hmm. house. Well, <laughs> can I can buy the next one. I mean, my house in Santa Cruz. I mean, doesn't pay for itself. I mean. So there's a correspondence between, uh, well, I mean, literally writing letters back and forth between uh, Franzen and Wallace. Oh, I think yeah. they were contemporaries, which is why I was curious about Franzen. I just haven't, for yeah. whatever reason, I haven't got into Franzen yet. And from what you're talking about, Infinite Just, with its different point of views and its different writing styles, I think Freedom mostly closely, he, like, as most, seems to me, like, given the benefit of hindsight, closely used to that structure like different points of views different writing styles i mean there's a whole there's a whole chapter like a whole section of the book that's all diary entries from the point of view of the female character in freedom mm-hmm. um the other one um i've read um his latest one purity that one just kind of falls kind of flat 
um, and it's but um, and, and I'm also reluctant. One of the reasons I'm reluctant to admit how much I like Franzen is because he's also a giant dick. Um, yes, <laughs> he's 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 a dick in real life. He's a little um, uh, what's the term I'm thinking of? Because I'm on the spot and I've had a couple. Um, for being uh, um, egregiously male and um, insensitive, egregiously male, uh, misogynistic. Yes, yeah, he's he's very misogynistic. He's a little misogynistic. Okay, I think well, he's I think he's learning, but I mean it doesn't it doesn't bode well. When admittedly, Wallace had some of these problems. Like there's been criticism in the last few years of mm-hmm. Wallace, based on some how he treated uh, relationships in his life, mm-hmm. um, that it could come out in like sort of a a, bi- a biography of him. Hmm. Um, which is hard. He's, I mean, he's dead now, so it's hard to like, defend himself, right? Yeah, yeah. He can't. It was, he passed away before the Me Too movement. Exactly. Like, he didn't get a chance to kind of evolve through that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- what you were saying about Franzen's latest book not being great, like, how do you top? You know, your your second novel is like regarded as like one of the best things ever, and like, how do you top that? Well, I mean, his yeah. second novel is The Corrections. His third novel is Freedom, and Freedom is like. Like that. There were a lot of years between those. Two yeah, I get well, took. Right? Yeah, it took a lot. I mean, he's written like essays and. Yeah, there were different collections and things in yeah. between. Um, and um, so moving on to Fran- from Franzen, um, I really like uh, Michael Chabon. Oh, Amazing uh, Adventures of Cavalier and Clay is one of my favorite yeah. books. Yeah. That's a great book. And Yish Policeman's Union is really good. Telegraph Avenue. I I like Telegraph Avenue. I do too, but it is a little. Like problematic. Look at me. Look at me. Well, yeah. well, it's problem. Like it's like you dared me to do this. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the white guy writing about a black neighborhood. And I'm going to write a 32 page sentence. Ah, uh, yeah, that didn't bother me. I that's pretty good. 32 pages. I don't. I think that beats anything Wallace did. Yeah, but you know, uh, Joyce still holds the record. So, I think I'm assuming. Yeah, uh, I, I, I would say if you've ever tried to read Joyce uh-huh. and found it impossible, I agree with you. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And some people approach Infinite just that way; they're like, "Things going to be too hard." It's it's not it's not hard. My way, way that Joyce's favorite is. book was Finnegan's Wake. But yeah. I, mean, that's, I don't know what I don't know what that did, I've never gleaned from that information. I've I've I, I well, we're not together any longer. <laughs> clearly, so I, I there's that's uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, and and finally, I mean, sorry again. I'm, we're talking about me. Here. Okay, this this suddenly so, turned into Jason's literary taste. Yes, episode. but it's gonna be um, Tom Parada um, election. Okay, leftovers. see, I've seen f- films made out of his work, but I've never I've never read his stuff. Um, and then Leftovers is like one of my top three TV shows. Um, I've mm. not I've seen two episodes of the TV show. I've seen just about every movie that's been made. I, um, so it would be Election, which is... Little Children, right? Little Children is amazing. Election is pretty much top three Pick movie flick. for me. Um, it's, I mean, it's one of the only Matthew two. Broderick's performance in that is, is pretty fantastic. Have you, have you read A.O. Scott's uh, reassessment of the film? No. Uh-uh. Um, that, um, so it's generally regarded in that depending on your point of view, it's really regarded that, um, that she's a shrew. Um, Reese Witherspoon is a shrew in the movie. And okay. There are no heroes in that movie. Huh. Um, A.O. Scott, I mean, it's not really a surprise, but, um, writes that no, she isn't, well, she, I mean, she's got some shrew tendencies, but she is the hero of her story because, yeah, she's the one who, um, 
she she's the one who's like ultimately she got what she need, wanted and she did it the right way. Like, you know, it's this would be an interesting thing to talk. So if we can get off Jason for a little, while yeah, here. please, no, we're done off of, <laughs> off of planet Jason. I am curious to know just to kind of like go around here, like what uh, what are the books that like broke our brains and made us think a little differently and maybe informed how we how we changed, you know, or how we. In, like informed worldview because I think you, there's got to be those things for all of us yeah yeah and I'm having trouble like when you put me on the spot it's always hard like I can't remember what I led, read last week sometimes <laughs> but it's I think it's a, a cumulative like a whole bunch of different stuff well I mean honestly Stephen King well, I learned more about being an adult and with the adult world from Stephen King sure. from reading that from like age 10 till now mm-hmm. I think I mean that, not just one book but in like anything um that's a really hard question. Okay, so I'll I'll start, and you guys can think about it. Okay, you know, just you know, take a few minutes. Uh, is it everybody poops? No, it is. It is not. Um, Get ass blown, my son's mine. <laughs> well, they do. I mean, there's no arguing with the thesis of that book. I'm sorry, but go ahead. Um, no, for me, so I, you know, and I, I can't think of the exact age. So we'll say like between the years of, of, of the ages of 13 and 16, I read the communist manifesto. I started reading, uh, Kerouac. Oh yeah. And, um, and you know, then subsequently like, uh, Bukowski and, uh, some of those like either beat or beat influenced mm-hmm. stuff that, that kind of writing Raymond Carver, I started reading during that age too. Like that, that informed, that even started informing my musical taste because that's where I started listening to Tom Waits and being like, uh, you know, making the parallels between some of the Bukowski and Raymond Carver stuff and, and the music equivalent to me, which is Tom Waits. And that totally changed because up to that point, I was a sci fi geek. My favorite books were um, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series. And then uh, I was reading the Timothy Zahn Star Wars stuff too. And like Star Trek novelizations, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Yep. And then, then I discovered like some of Bradbury's more literary stuff. So it would have been like October country um, or Dandelion wine. And then I started reading Vonnegut. Um, yeah, I, would, and, I would say Vonnegut as a whole, not in any one particular book, because I don't love say like cat's cradle and slaughterhouse five as much as other people do. Okay. But like, just his whole body of work that I not I haven't read the whole thing, but mm-hmm. probably like eight, ten books that I read in a really short amount of time. Yeah. That was uh Vonnegut was a big deal. Yeah. For me, I for him as Cat's uh, Cradle does do something for me, the idea of Ice Nine and like the whole thing mm-hmm. with that. Um but Breakfast of Champions is one that really informed a lot of what I was interested in as a writer too. What's of. what's the one where you wrote about the election about an election? Like I wanna say I it's on the tip of my tongue, and I'm on the spot. Hmm. It's the only Vonnegut book I've read. He wrote about an election. He wrote about someone who like some doofus who became president. Uh, hmm. That seems really far fetched. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could never happen. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. What are you? <laughs> I, I don't know. That yeah. I, off the top of my head, that's not that's not coming to mind. Okay. Uh, I'll have to. I, I don't want to break out my phone, but I'll have to look out, but continue. I'm sorry. Well, I, so like when I read Breakfast of Champions and Vonnegut drops himself into the book, uh, that's where I was like, holy you shit. You do that? Yeah. <laughs> he's just, he's there. And, and he's talking to his, he's talking to Kilgore Trout. He's basically, he's talking to, you know, his own character and talking about like, 
um, you know, trying to to like reassure him, and 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 it's it just it blew my mind. Um, so those were like that kind of stretch of reading was when when it really uh, made me completely ineligible to 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 be a you know jock or sex symbol kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was just completely out at that point. There, there are certain things that are like almost like thresholds that you cross and you just can't go back anymore. Yeah. Like, it kind of ruins you for other fiction. Yeah. In a way. Like, you just, it's like, it's like a drug. It's like you're trying to get that same high. Mm-hmm. And like, for me, Infinite Jest was, was the thing that like broke me mm-hmm. as far as like, I, I compare everything else against it now, which is a really? good and bad thing. Yeah. Like, it's, it was a milestone in, in my life. How do you even compare other Foster Wallace stuff to it? Well, there's not the, a lot of other novels. I think he's only got, uh, Two other novels. One was mm-hmm. sort of unfinished at the time of his death. Um, neither of them is good, but they're interesting. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of journalism. He, he wrote for a lot of different magazines. He's wrote, written for like Gourmet Magazine, Rolling Stone. I've read some of his Rolling Stone um, stuff. It's way more accessible if you want a, a short uh, sample. Yeah, of, I remember reading some walls. things from The Girl with Curious Hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some short stories, uh, literature. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, journalism. Those are way easier to finish. Yeah, you just want to, you know, this is like a infinite justice. It's a tome. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it's like his. It's almost like his Confederacy of Dunces kind of thing. Yeah, um, I've read Slapstick. That's the book. The Slap. Okay, I did read Slapstick. Yeah, Slapstick's yeah. really good. I read that at the recommendation of a girl I was dating. Slapstick. It's uh, Slapstick is is I believe uh, dedicated to Laurel and Hardy. I believe it is. Yeah. Oh yeah, that one kind of scrambled my brain a little bit. So. No, I was also in a very weird relationship at the time. So mm. <laughs> Why aren't they all deep down? Um, <laughs> but, are you that the one I'm currently in is just fine? <laughs> <laughs> just, just fine. No, like okay. it doesn't scramble my brain. It's okay. I, you know, what? I don't not. necessarily think I, I don't necessarily think of weirdness as a bad thing. Like I, I, I think that there's that there can be that that weird is 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 a a good thing that can be applied to a relationship. Mm-hmm. Just you know, just saying. Yeah, you know. Um, um, I mean, knowing all three of us, I I, uh, I don't think that we could get by <laughs> with anything that didn't have some weirdness in it. Yeah. Um. So were we? Is it my turn? <laughs> the things that broke your brain. Well, I mean, so and that's interesting though because I want to touch on that for just a sec because you were talking about the point at which you read Infinite Jest. That's pretty, you know in the timeline of things, 2011 is pretty late on into your life. I was 33, I think. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that is pretty late. Like sometimes you, you think you've formed to a certain point that you just conform to what you have consumed up to that point. Right. Yeah. And then, and then something comes along completely unexpected. Yeah. It just completely like literally I, I, this isn't hyperbole, like changed my life, changed my outlook on things, got me involved with, um, a lot of a whole group of people, David Foster Wallace Society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been to. You've done some really cool artwork based on on the book too. Yeah, there's like probably like forty pieces of artwork uh, inspired by David Foster Wallace books, Infinite Jest, and others. I've uh, mm-hmm. been to, I think, three times David Foster Wallace conference in Normal, Illinois. I, I which, didn't realize there was a conference. Yeah, there's oh, a, there's an international conference. It's been in uh, uh, Bloomington, Normal, Illinois for five years i think i've been to three of them and they go next year in austin jason knows a lot about normal i do i do so we'll both be in texas next year probably at different times i'll be in in uh san antonio next year for awp yeah because um so not to get 
you know. Well, but let's focus on our guest for just a second yeah, because yeah. I'm interested. There, I have a few questions. But, because he, brought, but he brought something too. I, but I, I handed yeah. it to him. Norman yeah. Illinois. Yeah. He handed it to me. He was. He tossed me the ball. Okay. All right. So talk <laughs> about normal. I'm just curious. So this was before you met Carrie too. Like this was like. Um. Let's see. I met her in 2012. Yeah. So then. Uh, 2011. I read the book when we first started dating. She was in like in the middle of it, mm. which is just a weird coincidence. Yeah. Like I and I. I sort of just didn't like pressure her. I just let her go at her own pace. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about it that much. She didn't love it as much as I did, <laughs> but it was just random. Like, you know, mm-hmm. someone you're dating is reading your favorite book, you know, it's, that's uh, pretty cool. And, and it's, it you know, it takes months. So yeah, be, but yeah. Well, I, I think that's a cool story, but okay. So normal. No. And it's, it's on. Cause so I, I've hinted that I've been kind of hovering around this book the whole, like for about at least, almost 15 years now actually it's been about 15 years so i'm gonna get a little deep here okay please so, break it down so like i did live in bloomington normal and the whole reason why i moved there was one of the reasons why i moved there was because my mother died mm-hmm. so and that's kind of um the one one of the like cultural um uh places you can go in bloomington normal which is about a small city. Like it's it's a twin. They call it the Twin Cities, but combined, it's about the size of Tempe. With, but there's nothing surrounding Tempe. Um, a Bloomington Normal is cornfields. Okay. So one one place you can go is like a Barnes and Noble. So I um like depressed because you know my not my because mom, your mom died because my mom died. I d- kind of fell onto David Foster Wallace because he was, I believe, he was teaching at the time at Illinois State University. Mm-hmm. And he also taught at University of Illinois Champaign-Urbana, mm-hmm. which was about like an hour away. And like I kind of danced around it and I was like, no, well, maybe not. And I would just, I actually, that's when I discovered Shabon instead. But I feel, um, like when I got married the first time, I picked up my first copy of Infinite Just. I believe that is the one with Eggers writing the foreword. And I was going to do it, but then I got divorced and she got to keep the book. <laughs> she got the book. Was that part divorce? Was that pretty part sure of she, the decree? I'm pretty sure she got to, I'm pretty sure she was happy to use it to keep the door open while I moved my shit out. <laughs> so, it's very effective as a doorstop. Uh, you know, I'll just say that my track record with, with relationships and uh, especially, you know, I don't know, I've, I've been in a few long-term ones is to just say, fuck it, I'm going to take take as few things as possible i take my books mm-hmm. music clothes movies and cat whatever whoever yeah. my cat is at the time um <laughs> and uh and and you can have the rest are you of sure it. susu's yours susu oh well yeah okay first of all yes susu is mine you're the um huh you're the father i i <laughs> <laughs> oh, got the, we got I, the results my, right here my priorities are the same uh books cats records yeah, yeah. pretty much. That's what I'm taking. That's what yeah. means the most to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your relationship is secure. I'm sure we're you know talking out of school there, but um, that's yeah. I don't know. It's just like whatever the furniture. I don't give a shit. I you know I, all the stuff I bought in the relationship, the TV, whatever you can keep it. I don't give a shit. I'm just gonna take my stuff and and go. Mm-hmm. No, um, so I've been kind of dancing around walls for like a long time and. Like a Wallace Waltz? Uh, yeah. 
And You're welcome. Yeah. I'm waiting for a Wallace and Gromit joke. I'm just waiting for it to come because that's what Becca is obsessed with Wouldn't right that be, like, if you replace Wallace with David Foster Wallace, that becomes the trippiest fucking <laughs> claymation you've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I got another pun. David, okay. David Foxtrot Wallace. There you go. There yes. you go. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, accepted. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I just was, I, mean, I guess... I've been. I was too scared, or just didn't want to commit. Like just like a lot of things in my life. <laughs> my goal is to get you guys to eventually one day read this book. We'll we'll come back to it maybe in the, during the next hiatus because you know as mm. as season three airs, you know season four is not far off, so we we'll have another year before yeah. we can watch season four. Mm. But like I, I mean, he's just been kind of like this uh, uh, part of my life. I even watched. The movie um, under the tour and like, okay, was that the one that had uh, that had uh, shoot what's his name Jason forgetting Jason Siegel. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to say forgetting Sarah Marshall. On the theme of not reading the book is an interesting anecdote. When he was preparing for the the role of playing David Foster Wallace, uh-huh. he went to a bookstore and bought Infinite Jest. Uh-huh. And the clerk, a female, said, uh, "This book has been on the nightstand of every guy I've dated, unread. <laughs> <laughs> it's an unread copy on every nightstand." That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty funny. Thanks. And right now, Kristen's like going, "Oh, great! He's just like every other guy." <laughs> <laughs> There's something you could do to change that. I know. Well, I, I've read fifty pages. Yeah. Fifty pages. Yeah. So let's let's bring it back to the good place a little bit here, though, because you've you've watched the show. You're current on the show, right? Mm-hmm. Have you have you been able to see the influence that that Wallace's writing has had on Shore? Uh, like what I said earlier about the the mixture of just like the type of humor because there's like um, lowbrow humor, highbrow humor at the same time, and those are like as intelligent as he seems. Like he will drop in a lowbrow joke, Wallace will. Yeah. And same with the Good Place, they'll be talking about they'll be philosophy jokes, which are not going to play to everybody. <laughs> but then there'll be like there'll be really lowbrow jokes, like with you know with Jason. Oh yeah. And it's yeah. like he he revels in that kind of stuff. I'm right here, bud. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean with the with the humor, yeah. I mean it's like satirical. Mm-hmm. Like it's so over like things in Wallace's writing are like so over the top satire that they become profound in the way that I think Michael Schur's um the themes in The Good Place mm-hmm. also do. And I would say The Good Place more than more than the other shows, I think, because of what the issues they're dealing with, right? What's well, his most overtly philosophical, too? So, and this isn't a huge spoiler, but the, one of the themes in season three is how hard it is to be a good person in society, right? Right, mm-hmm. and that is basically what Infinite Jest is about. Like, you are meeting people at the like maybe lowest point in their lives. A lot of these people, mm-hmm. and this is this is how they deal with it, and how they how they get along, how they just get through the day. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And and then the same thing with the good place. You're looking at people who are passed into the afterlife and are still trying to make the best of it, right? In, mm-hmm. in the afterlife. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's a that's a huge connection that I see. Does he talk about philosophy a lot, like in Infinite Jest? Um, not overtly. I think I think there's. It almost reads like philosophy, though. The, even the little bit that I've read, it's it's mm-hmm. you know there's 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 a lot of commentary on things. Um, and it's it's it you know it's obviously it's it's fiction but you know as it, the, in the philosophy I've read there's there's to me there is some sort of uh, it's it's you know pretty clear to me in the little bit that I've read that Wallace has read some philosophy and yeah. there's he's there, read everything <laughs> I swear to God 
<laughs> I don't know. There's nothing he hasn't read. <laughs> but all right, so I do fully plan to read it, and you know, I I, I would want to read it and actually then rewatch the show. So that might actually be as I'm watching the fourth season. Oh, maybe go ahead and read the book. Maybe we don't end the sucker after so many episodes. Maybe we do it again. I, you know what? I'm wow. actually not opposed to that. I think it's worth revisiting, especially mm-hmm. if we revisit it in the context of some of the things that we've talked about. Sequel. <laughs> I forget the podcast, but there's some. There's a podcast that watches the same bad movie like every week, and it just <laughs> the it just gets more absurd. I've only heard of it. I can't remember the name, but it sounds like well, maybe like Cannonball Run too, like a movie of that mm, level. Oh you yes, know? just like yeah. how. On the f- your fifth time you've watched it, like what m- more meaning can you glean out of this well, absurd movie? It's amazing. Like um, James Bonding is like my go-to podcast. We've talked about this. Yeah, we've, like, and we've talked about that podcast many times. Yeah, it's podcast. pretty much like the model for this podcast, but it's much smarter. Lovers, not experts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's much smarter and fun. Our podcast is smarter and funnier than that show. You know. I, I, you know, I, and they have professionals. Jason, we're, we're, we're good fork buddies, um, but I, I would argue that Matt Myra and Matt, Matt's Myra and Gorley are, are better at podcasting possibly than we are. Oh, well, I mean, that's not, that's not what hair here, but anyway. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give you guys some homework, and this is way easier than reading a thousand page Man. novel. Okay, all right. Uh, there's a 20 minute uh, commencement address, Kenyan College, 2008 commencement address from David Foster Is that Foster the Consider Wallace. the Lobster? Uh, it's called This is Water. Oh, that's about, okay. about 20 minutes. I literally, that used to be like my uh, daily affirmation thing. I don't know how many times I've listened to that speech. It gets me mm-hmm. every time. They published that on its own. It, yeah, it, there is a, a small, a slim volume of yeah. that speech. But it's on YouTube. You can watch it. This is water is what you want to mm-hmm. look up. If you want to get just the, the top level taste and like basically his whole philosophy congealed into 20 minutes. And if you want to watch a grown man cry, you can watch me watch that video. Uh, it still does it. <laughs> what are you doing right huh. now? Yeah, you could watch okay, after this we could totally turn that on and I'll, and I'll have a good cry so um, we could do that and I do then, have a nice a nice monitor here and after we're done with that we can watch the last 20 minutes of Jerry Maguire <laughs> <laughs> alright so and you're going to see another grown man cry I've already used my veto so uh, <laughs> you did and it failed yeah. so I don't know does, it, does that count <laughs> we might give you your veto back I might give you your veto back <laughs> And second it. <laughs> I don't. I, okay, I don't dislike Jerry Maguire. By the way, I and just so you know, like the, the the as I've said many times, the part that gets me is not when Tom Cruise walks into the room with the group of divorced women and says, "You complete me." Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, the part when I I, I lose it is when Cuba Gooding Jr. loses the rather large chip on his shoulder mm-hmm. and dances around in the end zone, only oh, yeah. to then hug Jerry Maguire at the when he's walking to the locker room. Speaking of Glenn Fry, Glenn Fry is yes, Jerry Maguire. Full circle. <laughs> yeah. episode. See what we did there? Put a button on that. Yep. Well, I you've actually this conversation has made me want to read that book more than I did when Jason started the, the <laughs> okay. group. So Yeah, well then I think um yeah and it's much so yeah well if if Chris hadn't told me that the venue was in danger of not being there, mm-hmm. I probably would have never have canceled it. And 
I mean, it would have failed. We can any- try again. And I mean, it would have failed anyway because you know if we I'm really busy now. If, <laughs> if we don't even put a book group thing on it, I'm more likely to read it than if we put a book group on it. Can, so, I, can I advocate for something? This is totally crazy, but I sure. have been reading this. Uh, I'm currently in the middle of that reread that you started. I yeah. kept going. I've read it entirely on my iPhone, oh, which wow. is a really easy way to fit it into your life. Okay. No it's, kidding. It's insane. A thousand page book on your iPhone, but it's easy to look up things you don't understand. It's easy to go with the footnotes on the iPhone. Wow. Um, if I'm sitting and waiting in a waiting room for 10 minutes at the doctor, or, you know, if I think I want to be in the bathroom for a long time, mm-hmm. five or 10 minutes at a time, mm-hmm. most of the chapters are short. Now, okay. Saying. I got it. This was the one time where I was tempted to like set up an Audible account and get the uh, the audiobook version. Is, is there, there an audiobook? Yeah, there, I was there is. Curious. I have not listened to it. Who is there an unabridged it? on audiobook? Um, I, it's not a famous person. Okay, okay, but it is. There huh. is a version. I would really recommend reading it. Okay. with your eyeballs for the first time. I, it's, I, you know what? I've I've actually never, I've never listened to an audiobook. Oh well, you should. I'm making that confession here now. I, I I have always thought it was better to read the book because I, as I get into the book, especially if the, a book is good, then I I have the voices mm-hmm. in my head, and I don't like that having that influenced by I've read, someone else reading it. I've listened to two audiobooks, I, I, so I'm I'm two up on you. Okay. The first one I've read uh, I've listened to is Lincoln and the Bardo. Oh, the George Saunders, which I've heard Saunders. is really good with all the the voice actors. Yeah, that's. I have a copy of that sitting on my shelf that has. That is to be read. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I read, recommend that one after you read Infinite Jest. Well, I read that book in three days. Saunders is great, by the way. Yes. Civil War Land and Bad Decline. Uh, I've, I've read a couple of his his short story collections. I Very started good. reading Tenth of December mm. a while back, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, um, speaking of which, um, um, David Sedaris would also be one of those of my literary tastes. Um, going back to your first question see we're on we were like very similar on the same level so we're this like is why i think you're gonna link this book this, oh, we're like twinsies man pretty close <laughs> except for the friends and stuff which i'm not saying i'm not going to read i just haven't no and mm. like friends and like it's I, I i um at least with friends and i i think i would probably even reread him again after i read infant just just to see how much wallace has influenced him I, I i'm astounded that you've reread this book so many times because i i I, there are a handful of books that I've I've read more than once, and they were all prior to my thirties. Well, can I correct you? I've only read it chronologically, like page one to page whatever, one time. Okay, so you've just revisited it multiple yeah, times, and, and also been to the conference like three times and listened to people discuss it for hours ad nauseum. Okay, yeah. uh, and now I'm now I'm actually this is my second reread attempt. I stalled Complete out one time before chronological reread. But but wow. it really um, it is sort of like the, in the title it says infinite. Like it, it just gets more interesting every time you re- you reread it because there's information that is dropped in early that means a lot that you don't understand until huh. later, and it just it's just like it's meant to be the very premise. And I'm going to shut up about this in a minute. The very premise uh, of the the little plot that you can say that there is is mm-hmm. of a movie that is so entertaining that once you start watching it, you can't stop. Hmm. And then it becomes weaponized, and and like the the overt like the A plot is the the uh, plot to get this thing and control it, hmm. and that but that there's a whole other like a whole other spokes off of that plot that are just really about very human uh, human stories. 
but but the thing is the, the the plot of the book sort of mirrors the idea of we want to keep once you finish you just want to go back and start it again and it's also kind of necessary too so huh. i'm kind of curious just because of the way that you refer to it as like your bible and you carry around like a mormon missionary carries his copy of the book of mormon way um, to mormon it up jason <laughs> can't help how i was raised (laughs) (laughs) but like do you um and just like how you meet for a conference every year like is there like a cult of wallace i I wouldn't say there's a cult i want i I I mean the c word is a difficult one but yeah i don't mean to say cult is problematic i'm not trying to say that anyone who reads this book immediately becomes like a scientologist or something but (laughs) like but it does but you do seem to do you feel like going clear after reading (laughs) Oh God! <laughs> I think I have an easy answer for what you're going to ask. Yeah, me. I'm sorry. Go ahead. If you read this book, you're not indoctrinated into a certain way of thinking other than it is the best thing to be is empathetic toward other people. Okay. Huh. And I think that is the most important thing. And I think that's a, a thing that Michael Schur, the main thing he, he gleans from, from this book. That it, well, I mean, that is a huge part of the good place is the empathy of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that is like a huge thing that is missing from right society right now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Empathy, yeah, Empathy is sure. a short supply. Yes. So this will, I, I think reading this book makes you a better person. Uh, it's huh. not going to get you into heaven. It's not going to get you good place points. I think it's just going to make you a better, more understanding person of other people and what they are going through. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. You got anything else, bud? That's all I have for Chris. I thank you, Chris, for doing this in general. Thanks, uh, thanks for having yes, me on. Yeah, I want to do this for a thanks, while. For, thanks for spending your Saturday night here with us. <laughs> <laughs> People don't need to know when we record this. I don't know. Whatever. I don't care. Um, but yeah, no, thank you. Uh, honestly, talking to you, I, I have, I have sort of talked to people about this book for probably shit like nearly twenty years, and this is the conversation that's actually made me most interested in, in committing to it and reading it. So for that, I'm saying there's a chance there, there's a chance. There's a chance. There's a chance. Exactly. Oh, um, so I've heard short owns the rights. Oh, to make the film. Yeah. He bought the, he bought the rights to the film. I think he intended to make produce something, but when they say a a book is unfilmable, I've I've watched films or things that were supposedly unfilmable, like say train spotting, for instance, and they made a good film out of it. Yeah. I don't think it's possible to make this a film, and I think that's the strength of it. Because everything in train, like most of train spying, is not in the film, the book. A lot of it isn't. Yeah, a lot of it is not. Yeah. And those are the most enjoyable parts of the book, I find. Yeah. And the parts that are not in the movie? The parts that are not in the movie are the most enjoyable parts. Of so is that why you're able to enjoy the movie separately from the book? Yes. Okay. It's definitely one of those. There's, there's, um, there are a few instances where I think. The the book and the movie are on maybe on equal level, mm-hmm. and um, Train Spying is one of those because there are a lot of short stories in Train Spying that don't make it into the movie mm. um, that just give it so much life and character. And you could kind of do that with this book. There are things you could get rid of that are not plot centric. Mm-hmm. But I think that you you leave so much out. Like every the, the joy in reading this book is like 
when you turn the page, it's going to be a whole thing you didn't expect. Like it's not going to mm-hmm. the the story, the plot line is not going to continue from the last word you read. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. going to be a whole new thing for you to discover and, and revel in. And that's where you, the way I could keep returning to it and reading individual sections, and and be satisfied by that. Um, I, I don't think I think if you tried to adapt this, and I hope it does not happen, in the same way that like Lincoln and the Bardo probably would not make a great film mm-hmm. yeah i don't think you could do it well, but my, my theory is why so nick offerman owns the rights to lincoln and the bardo my theory to why he buys that so no one would ever 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 make it i think sometimes it. if you love a property that much you buy it just to basically film block people yeah, yeah. I, th- um, I i and i've heard him michael sure say that he had been working on an idea and i think made this point maybe he's just like just wants to hold on to it so someone so does somebody else can't yeah. i hope he i hope he doesn't do you think that that potentially like a limited run series could be made out of it? I think it would be better that way, but I also think it wouldn't be still. It, they wouldn't do it justice. Okay. Okay. And as much as I love film, not everything needs to be a film. There, there are very few. So if if I've enjoyed a film and I find it's made if that its source is a book, like for instance, one I I love The Natural. Never read the book. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, there. Sometimes, if you love a film on its own before you've read the the book, I I'm not interested in reading the book at that point because I have a feeling that it would take away from my enjoyment of the film. The very very few times have I watched a film and read the book and thought that they were like for some reason. I think about a boy and high fidelity are both films that I I really enjoy either as much or in the case of high fidelity possibly more than the book and i'm a huge nick hornby fan yeah but i think they're i think when a hornby book is done or hornby book is done well like mm-hmm. I, of the ones i've read like high fidel uh, i mean long way down is not not good. a good film not good. it wasn't that wasn't one of his best books either no um, i would agree with that yeah um i think the only other probably the only other book and that's blown my mind and then to have a movie even blow it even more is fight club like i read fight club see the book. I, I love the film fight club i've never read the book the book like will blow your epic mind like mm. it, it, that kind of rescambled rescrambled my brain a little bit too uh, um a little bit and and as you learn more about chuck Palahniuk and Mm-hmm. Like where he or that book came from. I think from. I've told my story about having met Chuck Palahniuk before. Yeah, yeah, I think you have, and I think I've, I've met him too. So he like gives something away to like like people who ask him a question. Oh, you told that story. I yeah. told the one where he was in this this the bookstore that I was working at, which is long gone. Um, but he came in and and uh, basically drew a mustache on the author photos and all the books mm-hmm. because they used a photo he told them they didn't that he didn't yeah. like. That sounds, that sounds like saying <laughs> he would do. And and to relate this to Wallace, like which I could do almost everything. Mm-hmm. When I was reading that Michael Schur quote earlier about mm-hmm. sincerity, I feel like the literature that was cool when we were twenty something mm-hmm. was like British and Ellis, and it was. It was uh, and they're on such an opposite end of the spectrum of like postmodern, postmodern, ironic, cynical. That when I when I read that, I feel worse about myself. Like, yeah. I'm already starting from a point of cynicism, and I need the antidote to that. And on the way other end of the spectrum is the sincerity of David Foster Wallace and in Infinite Jest. See, now you've really sold it because I, Ellis, as much as I like American Psycho. I do not like Brent Easton Ellis as a and person. I've, there's I've, quite a rivalry between the two of them. Still. Is there? Um, 
Ellis still talks shit about Wallace on, on his podcast and We Twitter. could talk about that for <laughs> So the Ellis that I've read, I've only actually read, I think I have three Ellis books, and I've only read two of them. I've read Less Than Zero, and I've read Rules of Attraction. I, I've not read or seen American Psycho. I, you should see the movie. There's something about Ellis's work where I just, I can't, it, it, it hit at a time where I read both uh, of those Ellis novels and then I read Bright Lights, Big City by Jay McInerney too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's um, and I end up liking McInerney a little bit more. I think McInerney is a better writer. Um, but it's it's it is it's that that writing of of just like the worst qualities in people too mm-hmm. like nobody rules of attraction I, or, or less than zero nobody in there do you feel like that's somebody that you want to know that you would that yes all of them are just the most awful fucking people to each other i would argue you should at least make the attempt to watch american psycho because it doesn't follow it, it's there's a feminist twist to it that's one that I keep thinking I'll read the book first. I think yeah. Ellis as a person is kind of interesting, and I'm more interested in in like things that he's said in interviews and stuff. Or like you know when I've heard him speak, then now I'm interested in his writing. I haven't read. I think I tried reading Imperial Bedroom mostly because it was named after my favorite Ellis Costello yeah. record. Also, um, less than zero. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Less than zero named after yeah. Um, but like they're, uh, they're sequels, right? Like Lessons Zero, like Imperial, Imperial Bedroom is, is supposed to be a sequel to Lessons Zero, Zero, yeah, which is why the Costello naming convention. Um, but uh, there's a, there's a point at which I just think he's, uh, I just it turned me off after a little while. Every interview I've read, and especially the last one with the New Yorker, um, with his with Ellis, I think it was like a few months ago, um, just makes me think he's just not, he's a person who just likes attention he's, he's, a nar- his, his he's a narcissist WTF interview is pretty interesting I haven't listened to that one but he just feels like a narcissist to me which oh, yeah, is why for sure. which is why when you mentioned Ellis it be, it, Wallace being the antithesis to Ellis like oh I'm I'm on board sold, <laughs> sold in the room yeah. sweet alright okay thanks for the TED talk <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chris, for being our resident Wallace uh, uh, expert. And we're this is actually I I kept trying. I keep I keep keeping an eye on the timer on this. This is still under an hour and a half, which means for us this is a tight episode. Wow, I felt like four hours. Uh, It's it's yeah. (laughs) That's because you had to listen to twenty minutes on the Eagles. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Twenty minutes on the Eagles can can feel like hours. we have, and I'd say one of these days we're going to start talking about Fleetwood Mac, and that's going to be the four-hour episode. I okay, let's not get into that right now because I could go on about that. I like Fleetwood Mac. I do too. No, it's there's no argument for me there. But okay, um, and I'm very interested. I'm very in steeped in. We're going back to Mike Campbell and Neil Finn. I'm I'm very interested in hearing the latest incarnation of Fleetwood Mac, despite the fact that that I like Lindsey Buckingham, but uh, but Fleetwood Mac is probably my like probably not only like one of my favorite bands just one that i'm so steeped in the knowledge and that maybe we could just go someday it'll be fleetwood macking with the <laughs> <laughs> fleetwood macking with jason jarrett all right thank you chris Ayers, phoenix you, film chris. collective uh be sure that you guys have a patreon too we do have a patreon so hit that up 
Oh, um, one more thing to plug that I forgot to mention at the top. All uh, right. PoorYorkEntertainment.tumblr.com. Which is where you can see the David Foster Wallace art. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Very cool. Thank you, sir. Thank, Thank you. you. Keep it sleazy. Oh, that's right. No, take it sleazy. Sleazy, sleazy. We can't. It's a play on the freaking take it easy Eagles thing. You got oh, We talked about the Eagles for 20 minutes. Take it sleazy for it, buddies. This has been a Hoonwaddle production. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not check out one of our other fine podcasts available from hootandwaddle.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any number of podcast apps. If you'd like to support Hootenwaddle and get access to an exclusive member-only podcast, receive discounts on merch, and more, go to patreon.com forward slash Hootenwaddle.